Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. That psalm goes on and it says, Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father, we worship you today. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for our sins to be able to be forgiven. We praise you and exalt you in this room. With all kinds of voices, instruments, hands raised, hands clapping, our thoughts, our presence, our giving. Lord, we bring this to you today to bless you and help us to remember today that we are here for you. You have been so good to us. Blessings here and blessings and gifts for eternity. We worship you, King Jesus. We pray as we open your word that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, change us. Give us courage to be obedient. Pray that the enemy would not win in any way in this room. We have gathered in the name of Jesus, Father, grateful to you, trusting the Holy Spirit to work freely in this place. So please do that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, as you find your place there, I want to say to those of you that are here as uh, our guest, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, maybe today's your first Sunday, we welcome you here, I'd love to meet you. After the service, I'll be out in the commons area near the welcome uh, table there, next steps table. Uh, please come by there and say hello, have a gift, would love to put in your hands as just an expression of uh, gratitude uh, if you come in to worship with us today and look forward to, to meeting you. A few questions. I need you to put your thinking hat on and, uh, and uh, answer these questions with me. Um, I want to ask you who taught you to do some things. Uh, who taught you to um, shoot a basketball? Uh, who taught you to throw a football? Who taught you to sew? Nobody yet. Uh, who taught you to grill? Who was the kind person that taught you to light a gas grill instead of having to learn it on your own? Who, who taught you to negotiate? 
Who taught you to read your Bible? Some names come to mind, some faces. Uh, who taught you to tie your shoes? Say, Pastor, I'm still wearing Velcro. Nobody ever, <laughs> nobody ever taught me. Who, who taught you to take a fish off the hook? Who taught you to tie a hook on a line? Who taught you how to study for a test? Who taught you how to pray? Here's the last question. Who taught you to give? Who taught you to give? I, I really, if you had asked me where I've been the last couple of weeks, it's been right here in that conversation where we are on Sunday morning thinking about a standard of giving. And I was considering just that question of who taught me to give? Where did I pick that up? Where did I get my standard for giving? There's a person. It was my grandfather. That's where I saw it first when I think back over just where did I learn giving? I saw it first from my grandfather, and it was on my dad's side, and that carried over into my dad's life. And there were many occasions where I would pick up on and glimpse and realize some patterns happening in my life when it comes to giving that really was an, an, an overflow of the experience that I had with my grandfather and with my dad. But I also, that, that's... That's where I learn when it, to give when it comes to money. I remember walking through the house on Sunday mornings, and somewhere along the way I began to notice a check that was on the kitchen table made out to Mount Hope Baptist Church that had been prepared the, the, the night before and, and wondering about that, curious about that. From time to time I, t I, I peeped to see how much it was. Just curious uh, what was going on there. But when it comes to something other than money, like just anything and everything, there was someone else that taught me to give. And that was my grandmother on my mother's side. And my grandmother on my mother's side, and I also saw this passed on to what I've been taught by my mom when it comes to just anything and everything, is that you could never go to Mamaw Bracken's house without leaving with something. Any of y'all ever ex experienced that? It may have been pickled peaches in a can that had been in the cabinet for 14 years, but Mama was going to give you something when you left. And I saw that in my mom, and it's kind of a running family story, and she will see this message today. She knows uh, the truth. It might embarrass her, but we always joke around people and say, look, don't ever tell mom you like anything because you'll go home with it. <laughs> and it's a folk story in our family about the day mom left with earrings and came back without earrings because a lady in an elevator told her she loved her earrings and that lady left that elevator with her earrings. <laughs> Somebody taught me to give. 
I had a standard of giving and that when Carl and I married, I realized I was, um, had been dating and was engaged to a girl that already had strong convictions of giving. And I remember it, it just, it was, it was wonderful because it didn't become an area of tension. It just, when we were dating and we were engaged and married, was, she already had this conviction that 10% of whatever she made at least would go to the Lord through her local church. And I saw there early on in our marriage a standard of giving. And obviously she had been taught. She had learned that from somewhere. And today we're continuing in this second week of messages called The Standard. And, and, and the reality is this. If you weren't here last week, the reality is, is that a lot of this has been um, inspired by church family around you and people that I interact with here at church. A particular conversation with a, a man in our church a few months back who said he was considering a, a certain job change and what they were evaluating was their standard of giving. I thought he was going to say their standard of living, but it was they were evaluating their standard of giving. And then another who said, our church needs the experience of giving. The joyful experience of giving. And I listened to those and it began to challenge in my own life where I had been taught, where I had uh, gotten some kind of standard for giving. And so we're, we're working through God's word to talk about this standard of giving. And last week we looked at a standard, a standard of giving that God established. And we, we saw from Chronicles that God, that all things uh, belong to God and all things are from God. And our response to all things being God's and coming from God's is that thanksgiving and praise are due him. It's the standard that God established. And today I want to speak to you for a few minutes about the standard Jesus taught. The standard Jesus taught. The standard of giving that Jesus taught. We're in the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to um, take a journey through the Gospel of Luke. It's, this is not real flashy we're we're just we're going to look at the word and we're going to see what Jesus taught when it comes to the standard of giving how did he teach the standard of giving I, I love the gospel of Luke if you if you press me on it I would say that Luke is my favorite gospel it would be in a strong running for my favorite book of the New Testament I preached uh, in the past, through the Gospel of Luke, chapters 1 all the way through the end in 1996, it took two and a half years, uh, preached through just verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke, and we really are going to cover the book of Luke today. Hopefully it won't feel like two and a half years. We're, we're going to look at particularly what we see about Jesus. Why Luke? I love the way Luke is presented. Luke, the gospel of Luke is like a research project that's been recorded for people to have and use and to know about Jesus. 
In Luke chapter 1, you get that. In verse 1, it says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, they have word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been, what? Taught. I want you to have certainty about the things that you have been taught. You've heard some things taught. You've, you've been influenced by some things. And, and, I am, and, and Luke is saying a lot of people have written some things about Jesus. I'm going to now put, uh, put it down for you in an orderly way so that you can hear about what others have seen and how people have ministered. And I, I want you to have this for certainty. And so we have in the Gospel of Luke certainty for what was taught. And so how did, how did Jesus teach? Look at Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, you've come through by this point Jesus' birth. And you have John the Baptist preparing the way. In Luke chapter 4, you have the temptation of Jesus. He begins to teach. He begins what is referred to as his public ministry. In verse 20 of Luke 4, it says, And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him. That's a reference to Jesus. All spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And I would say that's what we find first about his teaching on a standard of giving. I want to show you that um, he taught the standard of giving by the words he spoke. That's number one if you're taking notes. He taught the standard of giving by the words he spoke. And this past week, I just started in Luke chapter 1 and just began to read with pen and paper in hand, looking for all the things that Jesus taught, all the things that Jesus spoke specifically about giving. And I may have missed some, but look in chapter 6, and I... And I want to just read these verses. I want them to kind of hang over the room. I want to get them in front of our eyes and our heart. And not a, a ton of explanation about each of these verses. In fact, we may read some of these verses. And the verses may begin to create some tension in our heart. Even some questions in our mind about what did Jesus mean by that. We've sung this morning all about what Jesus has done and let's see here what Jesus taught in the process of him being our Savior and Lord. We see him teaching a standard of giving by the words that he spoke. First in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus is speaking. He said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. When you read those verses, these first verses in the Gospel of Luke, the life of Jesus, His public teaching, on a lot of various areas, but in particular when it comes to giving. Verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods do not demand them back. And later he speaks again about uh, lending and giving. And and I read those verses and I'm considering my own standard of giving and it leaves me saying a very profound, hmm. And I begin to feel the tension of what Jesus speaks when it comes to giving. Giving. I find myself pondering what he said about giving. And I find my perspective for giving and my planning for giving. Challenged by the way Jesus presents this subject. In verse 38, he says, in Luke 6, verse 38, he says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So we read here in this context of of giving without expecting in return from those that we give to, lending without expecting in return from those that we lend to, but what can we expect? What we find out in verse 38 is that when we give, we can expect God to keep his promises and he says when we give it will be given to you and he makes a promise Jesus teaches that uh, what will be given to us is a good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your lap what is what is that picture that picture is of something that holds something and you fill it up but it you realize it'll hold more and so you fill it up more and then you shake it Maybe you beat it on the table. Or maybe like in our house, we have this closet that is now clean. So I can talk about it. We have this closet, this is a five-by-five closet. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'm doing what we've done for several weeks with that closet. I'm opening the door fast, throwing fast, and closing fast. 
And there are even times I know I try to slide that door back across and it would catch halfway and I open it back up and I'm you know, just kicking and just pushing, pushing and thinking surely something will budge and, and it, it does, it closes. And I came home a few days ago and every single thing in that closet was out. It was completely empty. It was an amazing thing. That five by five closet with a few shelves had a 20 by 20 room completely covered with stuff. I thought, you know what? That closet had been pressed down. It had been shoved in. It had been packed in. And when it began to overflow and you looked to see how much was in there, it was astounding. And Jesus is saying that when we give, not expecting those we give to to return that, not expecting that it will come back from them. God says, I've got something better. What you give, I'm going to be in charge of, and I'm going to give back to you. That's where we get that saying that uh, you can't outgive God. And he, he paints this picture that this measure will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For with that measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Luke chapter 9, let's just continue our walk through what Jesus, the words Jesus spoke about giving. Luke chapter 9, verse 25. In the context of him telling people to take up their cross and follow him, he says in verse 25, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Luke chapter 11, verse 37. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at a table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Verse 42, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So you have Jesus, again, in a setting where the Pharisees speaking words about giving and he acknowledges he acknowledges the tithing of their herbs and their spices but he says it's not just that it's not just giving that makes you that, that demonstrates where your heart is there's more to it you, you do that without neglecting a love for others and a love for God. 
When I read that, it speaks to me about motivation behind my giving. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. We're just looking for the words that Jesus spoke about giving. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In my margin, I'd written there that parable, earthly treasure is earthly. There's a challenge here to think more about eternal, heavenly treasure. Because this is where most of your time will be spent. You think about it. Um, earthly investments, just a blip, just a blink, compared to all of eternity. And Jesus speaking words about giving and treasures and possessions shows us an eternal perspective that lasts way beyond an earthly perspective. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 31. Just a, just a quick phrase there. Luke 12, verse 31. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. It reminds us of how Matthew recorded it in Matthew 6. We seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. He says in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys for where your treasure is there will your heart be also Luke chapter 14 verse 12 he said also to the man who had invited him when you give a dinner or a banquet do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Jesus is teaching. He says, 
Luke 16, 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And in these verses, he's really hitting at where our worship is, where our trust is, where our faith is, who it is that we're serving. Luke 18. Just jotting these verses down this week, just reading back through, just asking this question. I bring it before you today with you to just say, Lord, what did you speak? What were the words you spoke about giving? How did you teach about giving? Luke chapter 18. You find well into the gospel of Luke now, still hitting this subject. Luke, eight, Luke 18, verse 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. We could take a long time trying to explain and find the history uh, connections with what did he mean by the eye of the needle. The picture here is of difficulty that when our faith and our trust is in our wealth it becomes very difficult and hard for us to turn that trust to God and it puts in perspective what our what uh, our view of possessions need to be and and who it is that leads our life and who it is that we worship and who it is that controls our life Luke chapter 20 Luke chapter 20 Verse 25, famous verse, I quoted it a lot of times, Luke 20, 25, he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And then Luke 21. Jesus looked up and saw, verse 1, Luke 21, verse 1, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, and he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Now, when I, when I look at these words that Jesus spoke, I go back to Luke chapter 4, thinking about Jesus, and I think of the gracious words he spoke. You say, Pastor, sometimes it, it feels like he was pretty harsh, he was pretty blunt. But I use the word gracious because what he spoke about when it came to giving 
was a gracious response to giving. And that is, what is grace? Grace is us receiving what we don't deserve. And when he spoke of giving, he talked about this, this picture of, of giving from, from Jesus was uh, kind of repeated over and over again that our giving was not based on what others deserve or what others could give back. It is based on how God has provided for us. So how did he teach the standard of giving? He taught it with the words that he spoke. Number two, he taught it by the ways that he served. The ways that he served. Let's back again into Luke. Just back up several pages back to Luke chapter 6. And, I, and as I work through these, this reading through the gospel of Luke, this orderly account of Jesus, like how did he serve? And the, the overwhelming word that arises as you begin to look how Jesus served as recorded in the gospel of Luke is, is the word generous. He was generous with his time. He was generous with his power. He was generous with his presence. He served in a way that showed him giving generously of who he was. Look in Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Luke 6, verse 17. It says, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and he healed them all. And that example that we have in Luke chapter 6 as I begin to read through the rest of Luke this reoccurring thing kept showing up. Crowds of people. Long days. People demanding things. Wanting things. Wanting something from him. And Jesus again and again and again and again and again gave more than you could ever expect. Just glance at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. I had started writing down from Luke chapter 8, uh, beginning about verse 22, all the ways that he demonstrated this uh, in serving with generosity. And I realized by the time I got to the end of chapter 8, I just wrote out in my notes, what a day. What a day in the life of Jesus. And Luke chapter 8 gives us this glimpse of the life of Jesus. And, and verse 22 says, One day he got into a boat with his disciples. Let's go across the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. I mean, he was resting. Surrounded by crowds, big demands, a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked. I thought, how many times I have not been generous when I've been woken or awakened or whatever the word. I don't want to record that I'm, well, how we do this. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm. He said to them, where's your faith? And he's calming the storm. Then you get to verse 26. There, then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. So he calms a storm. And then this story tells 
how he cast out demons. It's the story where he sent them into the pigs. And then verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. Wherever he went. For they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue and falling at his feet. He implored him to come to his house where he had a, an only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying. And Jesus went. As he went, the people pressed around him on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. He has this contact with a woman. Verse 47 says, When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And then he gets to the business of Jairus' daughter. All of it is just to say, what a day. In Luke chapter 9, you have this account of the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. And in this miracle of feeding 5,000, Jesus has fed the people, he welcomed the people, he cured the people. When they got hungry, the disciples came and said, we need to send them away. And Jesus said, no, we're not sending them away. You're going to do something. And they have the loaves and the fishes and they take it and they break the... The, the five loaves and the two fish, and when it's over, there's 12 baskets full filled with leftovers. Don't you look forward to heaven one day getting to meet that boy that gave his loaves and fish and ask him, what was going through your mind when you let it go? You, you wonder if he's going to say, I didn't know. He took it. He took it. I mean, the, those disciples, they took it. Or he may say, yeah, and did you see what Jesus did when I put it in his hand? I went home with like loads. You see Jesus teaching a standard of giving by the words he spoke, by the ways that he served. And then third and last, you see Jesus teaching a standard of giving by the wounds that he suffered. And you just keep working through the gospel of Luke and you, and you get... After these words about giving and this life of generous giving and you get to Luke chapter 22 and Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, Luke 22 verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at a table and the apostles with him. Luke twenty two fifteen, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I, what? Suffer. He knew I was here, and he knew that his life would be offered as a sacrifice. And as you track through Luke 22 and Luke 23, you begin to see the wounds that Jesus suffered. And if the words he spoke were gracious... And the ways that he served was generous. The wounds that he suffered were selfless. And as he laid down his life for our sin, his wounds, his stripes, his suffering became a gift. A gift 
for us to be able to have salvation. We see the standard of giving by the wounds that he suffered. In Luke 22, you see them seizing him. In Luke 22, verse 63, 65, you see the soldiers mocking him and making fun of him. And then Luke 23, you see him crucified on the cross between thieves. And you think of Isaiah 53, 5 that says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So what is the standard of giving that Jesus teaches? The standard of giving that Jesus teaches is a standard of giving that is gracious, generous, and selfless. His standard of giving that he taught was gracious in that he did more than what was deserved. He gave more than what was expected. And it was more about others than it was himself. Generous, gracious, selfless. When you read the words of Jesus and you see the life of Jesus, it does something in my heart. It creates some tension. And I'm hoping and praying there's some tension in your life this morning as you think about the gracious way that Jesus gave and the generous way that Jesus served and the selfless way that he suffered. First in this room, I'd ask, would you trust Jesus as Lord and Savior? He's given his life for you. And then I would ask, would you consider doing this today? That image of the standard of open hands, would you just imagine that in your mind and think, Lord, everything I have is yours and comes from you. And somehow, some way, would you, Holy Spirit, give me a heart, give me a standard of giving that is gracious and generous and selfless. Now, our band's going to come and ask these guys to help us close out our worship today. When I say that, here's what I'm thinking. Um, When I look at the way Jesus, how generous he was, how gracious he was, and how selfless he was, there's something in me that is... that. In my flesh, I think that starts running for the word balance. Now, pastor, there's got to be some balance to that. How do you balance out? I mean, this is radical, pastor. You know where I am? I'm right in there with you in that tension of if Jesus taught a standard of giving that was gracious and generous and selfless, What needs to change in me in light of that? Do you mean this? And what about this? And how do I handle this? And what about this? I think 
today God would just want us to kind of just get right in there in the tension of that and see what he does as we receive from him and also as we return to him.